What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine. Here we are. It's November. It's time for the holidays. And support for the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast comes to you from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, it's the holiday season. And in 2020, it's been kind of kind of one of those years. And if there's one thing we can take care of, to wrap up this year with, it's everything below the belt. That's why the revolutionary company at Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology. So trimming down there, you're not going to cut yourself. That's the worst, the worst thing that could happen. The lawnmower 3.0 is inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift for the holiday season. It literally has everything a man needs to keep everything up to date and fresh down there. It's perfect for the holiday season. So men, you know, if you got brothers, dads, friends in your life that need cleaning up down there, or even the ladies out there looking for something for their for their men this holiday season, I want to help you guys out. Manscaped is hooking us up here for the rest of 2020 with a awesome package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LazyEye at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with anything that you check out with at manscaped.com. Use the code LazyEye. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Your balls will thank you. Now, let's get to the craziest news that I heard this week, and it comes by the uh, the locals here in Massachusetts. So this, is, this is kind of a funny story. So this Massachusetts man planted Christmas trees along Route 1 and all the potholes in North Attleboro. Now, for the people that listen and don't know much much about Massachusetts roads, I think there's a pothole every single foot on a highway. Like there's a I mean my car has been in and out of potholes like it's nobody's business. So this man in Massachusetts took it upon himself to plant Christmas trees in all the potholes that he found uh on Route 1 in North Attleboro. Telling law enforcement and telling the uh, telling you know local government that it's time to clean up these potholes, and I absolutely love it. So, kind of a holiday spirited odd news of the week, and and definitely uh, one that made me laugh. Without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye opening experience. So another first for uh, Normal Guy Lazy Eye this week, we have our first ever musical guest on the show. Um, Dylan Brady is a country music artist originally from Long Island, New York. Now he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, When I first discovered Dylan, I was, um, as as I was doing most of quarantine, I was perusing through TikTok and I found this guy who literally every time I saw him on TikTok, he was singing a song that someone just told him randomly to start singing. And like, I was impressed by the fact that he knew every word to every song. Then I found him on Spotify and I'm like, this guy, this guy's legit. So reached out to him and what an incredible story this guy has. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, he really, I really don't want to give it away, but I think the theme of this week's episode is really defining your difference. And I think a lot of people think about, well, if, you know, what makes me different, I want to defy it. I don't want to be different. I want to fit in with the crowd. And Dylan and I have a great conversation about Finding that thing that sets you apart from the rest of the crowd and sets you apart from everybody else is really what's going to make you, um, you know, 
make you you. And so an incredible episode with Dylan. And um, towards the end, you could see like I was very much impressed with how much we had in common. And we we definitely <laughs> like hit it off. But um, Dylan Brady, definitely one of my favorite interviews that I did this summer. And I hope you all enjoy. So without further ado, here is Dylan Brady. Well, I want to welcome on a very special guest to the show here. Dylan Brady is an American country music artist, singer, songwriter, producer, who's worked alongside the likes of the Zac Brown Band and Rascal Flatts. You can find him all over Spotify, Apple Music, and singing to his over 800,000 followers on TikTok. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you? I'm great. You make me sound really cool, bro. Like, <laughs> you are, dude. You are. You really are. You got the TikTok clout now. You're you're golden. I mean, we're sitting here on August 5th. Who knows if it'll be a thing next week. Um, but you got it right now, dude. For sure. That's why I'm like, damn, dude, my, my career's going down the drain already. I'm banking on TikTok now. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we'll definitely get to your TikTok game here in a second. But um, as we do on the show here, I always like to say every story has a beginning. So I want to start at your beginning. Uh, you're a twin. You're, you have a twin brother. Um, you were raised in Seacliff, New York, born and raised there. Your dad was a musician. Was he the one that kind of uh, inspired this whole thing to get this whole this train started or? You are you're literally your head. FBI. You know, <laughs> you're like, you're a twin. You're born seven minutes after your brother. You're a Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I, I, so it's funny you say that because I'm a twin. I'm born a, a minute later. Um, okay. It's a C-section. And I basically kicked him out. I said, you go first. You go check the scene. And That's then hilarious. Come. That's like my brother says the first seven minutes of his life are the most peaceful seven minutes of his life. Oh, my God. My brother always lets me, or my twin always says, like, oh, I'm still older than you. I'm like, I'm whatever. Whatever. Are you guys fraternal or identical? We're fraternal. So, like, I have a lazy eye. I wear glasses. I used to walk on my tippy toes. I have brown hair. He's blonde hair, no glasses. Like, I was a lot chubbier growing up. Now I've kind of, now it's kind of even. But, like, we were, like, polar opposites. Dude, that's what I say about my brother. We're, like, night and day. Like, literally yeah. night and day. Yeah, He's like, like I-, I dropped out of college. He's going to vet school. <laughs> exactly all <laughs> like yeah. but um my dad my dad did kind of get us into music my brother who honestly he's good at everything like picks up an instrument can play it he's in like the honors program at his college where like twenty thousand apply and 60 mm-hmm. get in he's like good at all his sports and i'm like dude what did i get like i didn't get anything so <laughs> my dad did get us into it we my brother and i played music together for a while um we were in the Brady Brothers. Um, yes. Which was, if no one should search it because it's pretty cringy. I'm ho- I'll put the link to your guys' old YouTube. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's so, dude, it's so cringy. I look back and like, that's the other thing. Like, we'll be at like, where was I? I was at a, fan, at a friend gathering at my house. I think a song had come out and some people came over. Yeah. And I lived with my manager and my manager put up all the old Brady Brother videos. And that's just, that's more embarrassing than Disney days because it's just like, I was trying to, I thought I was so cool. I thought I was like a little Justin Bieber and I just looked yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. awkward. Um, <laughs> but in like, the moment you're like, yep, this is going to get to the Grammys. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is it. I'm like, I've made it. Um, <laughs> so my dad, actually the first show I ever played, I was 10 or 11 mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, I played with my dad because my dad would do a show every year um, in our little town of Seacliff. It was like a thousand people live in the town. Yeah. 
I don't have that fact probably right, but it's a very small town. I think it's 4,000, um, but I didn't check or anything. <laughs> so, um, my dad, it's tiny, and my dad would play a show, like the last show of the summer every year. Yeah. And I went up and I was saying, no surprise, by Daughtry with him. Oh, um, and that video is on YouTube. It's, it's so funny. My mom had the camera up, and somebody walked in front of the camera, and it lost focus. So, like, two lines in. Like, it just becomes, I look like just a fuzzball on the screen. Yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. So my dad definitely did. And, and to this day, like, whenever I go over to my parents' house, like, I play the guitar with my dad. And, like, even for my dad's birthday, he had written a song years ago, like, when my brother and I were, like, five or six. Um, and he wrote a song for us called Me and My Little Men. And so mm -hmm. for his birthday, I just re-recorded it for him with him. Uh -huh. um, so he and I still play music together. And my brother, my brother lives with me now. Um, so every once in a while he'll pick up the bass and play, but it was really cool because I was kind of surrounded by music. My dad played, my brother played, my sister sang, my mom cheered on everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, my dad, I mean, my dad, like he, he was like a big Beatles fan and Simon and Garfunkel. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom was actually the person who got me into country music because I'm from Long Island where nobody listens to country right. music. Right. Until right. this day, back then, I mean, back then, 20 years ago, no one listened to it, <laughs> yeah. really. I mean, as far as I knew, it was my mom and I. And um, she introduced me to Rascal Flatts and Tim McGraw and the Dixie Chicks and Billy Currington and Colin Ray. And so, like, I fell in love with that um, because I fell in love with the stories they told. Like, Tim McGraw's Don't, uh, Don't Take the Girl um, is just, like, one of my favorite songs ever because it's, like, this beautiful story. And... Um, then like I fell in love with Rascal Flatts because of Gary's voice. Yeah. And but at the same time, I'm from Long Island. So like, I was like the biggest Bieber fan ever. And I try to dress <laughs> like him to this day. Maybe yeah. not now, Bieber, but I, I 2015 Bieber, I was like, he's the coolest dude in the world. He, yeah. Um, I was the same way. I just I didn't express it, but like deep down I was like, that kid's cool. Dude, I remember years ago I was like, Bieber's on his way out. And then I was like a year later, I was like, damn, he's sick. So I was a big Bieber fan. Hottest take Mars. by Dylan Brady. <laughs> He's <laughs> on his way out. <laughs> you can quote me, and I was wrong. Yeah. Um, and then I became the biggest Bieber fan ever. Like, dude, I used to watch videos of him all the time because I was like, damn, this is what I want so bad. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, I was a big Maroon 5 fan, Bruno Mars fan. Yeah. Um, so it, that's kind of where my music started being shaped. It was like like a Long Island take of country. And so it's, I mean, we'll get into it working with Rascal Flatts. Jodon, when I met Jodon the first night, I was talking about how I'm from Long Island. He's like, it doesn't matter where you're from. Country's a state of mind. It doesn't matter where you're from. Oh, I like that. I was like, I, was like, I love that because it's like, people are like, you're from Long Island? Like, you don't even you have a country You can't be a country accent. singer. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't know the country accent, but like, I, I love country music with my whole heart. Mm. So that's kind of where it all started. That was the longest story ever. No, 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 you're good, dude. That was awesome. And so I do have to ask though, cause we talked a little bit about how we're both twins um, and how we're po polar opposites with our twins. Did you guys get along like playing in, in the Brady brothers and like, or was there like a, a, a power hierarchy? Like, what was that like? <laughs> there was no power, power hierarchy because my twin brother Cody does not care about like, I mean, he's the smartest dude, the best musician, but mm -hmm. he did not want to do it like wow maybe he did it with me because i didn't play guitar i just sang my first instrument was drums um and so i played the cajon which is like a little like hand drum and i mm -hmm. sang and cody played guitar and um he just like i remember we opened for megan trainer years ago and it was like our first big show 
and I was on this high afterwards because I was like, damn, that was sick. Like the biggest yeah, right. crowd ever. And I was like, Cody, have fun. He's like, it was all right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it was okay. Like, did you not have fun? He's like, it was fine. You're like, like doubting yourself. Like, did I not perform well? Like, <laughs> yeah. But that was the way Cody was. He he was so good, but he didn't want the attention. He's super behind the scenes guy. Like, even like our branding was like, I was in the front and Cody was in the back with a beanie on. Mm-hmm. So it was like, he likes being hidden and being in the background. And honestly, he loves playing music, but he, his dream was not to do that. And he's so smart and he's found his thing. And when the Brady brothers split, um, we just finished our first album and it was such a bad album, but I thought it was also it. I was like, this is it. Yeah. And then I found that Cody's done. And I was like, I'm not, I literally just doubted myself. I was like, I can't do this. Cause I didn't really mm-hmm. play guitar. I'd play guitar for like a month at that point. Um, I like didn't, I didn't, I, I was so used to playing with somebody and being, that was my comfortability. And that was what I was used to. Um, I just like, I remember crying. I was like, I can't do this. This is not, it's just not going to work. And thank God it, it happened because I moved to Nashville. I went to Belmont for a year. Yeah. It ended up not being what I wanted. And I got what I needed out of the year, got me to Nashville, got me a place to live in Nashville and like get introduced to the scene. Um, and then it just, if I was still with Cody, I wouldn't be making the music that I want to make because he like didn't want to do it. And it was always relying on Cody to do something when he didn't want to do it, right. which is totally fine. And we're still so close. There was no power hierarchy. Like we got along super well. I mean, towards the end, like it was when Cody was like really done. Our last, our last show was our biggest show. We had opened for five seconds of summer. Wow. And it was like the best day ever. Once again, where I'm like on this high. Yeah. And before that we were practicing and I'm not making Cody sound bad at all. Like I love him to death. You know? <laughs> he's, my best, he's like my, yeah. my God-given best friend. Right. Um, and so, but he just didn't want to do it. And I remember we were, I was like, Cody, can you practice with me for 20 minutes? All I need is 20 minutes. Cause he didn't even want to practice for the show. And looking back, I was like, damn, this is the end of the world. But it really was the start of everything because I mean, thank God for Cody. Like it pushed me to get better. And mm. like, it pushed me to like, take that leap and move to Nashville and then like realize like I'm surrounded by the best of the best and then get better than that and I had to be as best I had to work hard enough to be the best of the best and I'm not yeah. saying I am the best of the best but like <laughs> that's what like, dri- like is my drive every day every day I'm like I'm surrounded by these people that are so talented and it's so intimidating but at the same time you have to have blinders on it to be like what do, what am I good at what can I get better at and like how do I run with what I have yeah um and so honestly, I mean, it's so funny. Like, like we'll pull up the old, like Brady brothers is over video. And like, I thought that of course was, you guys had an announcement video. Yeah, I remember like, it was so funny. I like, kept throwing in there for some reason, the words Dylan Brady, the solo artist, for some reason, I was like giving oh, myself you were ready. You were ready. <laughs> and so, um, but no, dude, looking back, it was, it was sad, but I mean, it's better. I mean, we don't bicker as much now because like he didn't want to do it. And, and now he's in Nashville and he's interning at a, a horse hospital and I'm not at all because I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of the trajectory of how that happened. That's awesome. So it's kind of like your brother almost like catapulted you to where you are today. Like yeah. I thought he was dropping me down a cliff, but he actually right. catapulted me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So we talked a little bit about it. We'll get to the Disney channel days here in a second, but there's actually a much bigger story around those Disney Channel days that got you to where that was. Um, 
So, you know, we're both in our early 20s here. We both grew up in a similar time going to school and growing up liking music, whether it was you're a fan of Justin Bieber or wanting to pursue music, or as I think you put it, the dude who sings in skinny jeans, right? Like that wasn't necessarily the cool kid. And for that, right, if you weren't in the norm or you weren't following the crowd or following what everyone else was doing, you were immediately bullied. Right. For sure. So what was what was growing up and going to middle school and high school like for you from that perspective? It's funny. Like, since I have Tourette syndrome and that's the biggest thing, that's that's what really got the start of Disney is is I was trying to make a difference with my difference. Um, and you would expect that people would bully me for my Tourette's. But I was really, really lucky. I had, I had moved schools in seventh grade. I had went from. Um, I went to this one school growing up and I got bullied really bad for no other reason than just this kid was not a nice kid. And I moved schools and I met my best friend to this day who I hadn't talked to in about a month. And he texted me today um, out of the blue, but my best friend, Danny back home who actually has Tourette's and I met Mm -hmm. Danny. And I remember one day we were walking to recess and he was like moving his eyes and like, like uh, closing his mouth really fast and making noises. Like, dude, what are you doing? I had never heard of Tourette's. Yeah. And, and he was like, Oh, I have Tourette's. And it was like, this light bulb went off. So we'll get to that. But people would expect me to be bullied for that. But what I was actually bullied for was like pursuing what I wanted to pursue in life, which was to make music, write music, and hopefully like change the world with my music. Yeah. And I had black skinny jeans on at school and I wore like Justin Bieber long shirts and I sang and that was not the norm, as you said. And that was like not following the crowd. And the second somebody doesn't follow the crowd, they get bullied. I mean, it was less to my face and more online. Like, or I mean, I definitely hear it in school. Like you could probably bleep this out, but like kids would call me gay behind my back. I could hear it in the hallway. Yeah. And like, I was just like, first off, like if that was true, what's wrong with that first off but like like what is me pursuing what I love and then I remember on actually I told my girlfriend about this yesterday she didn't know this but one time I was sitting in physics class and I got um a notification that there was an air I was like getting an airdrop on my iPhone and somebody had airdropped throughout the whole school a picture of my face um photoshopped onto a like a popsicle stick because I was so skinny and people uh, just like they airdropped this throughout the whole school. And I ran in get this notification. I was like, first off, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and second off, I was like, I just didn't get it. Why? Like, like what was the need for that? And yeah. so I'm probably not answering this right, the right way, but no, um, you're, no, you are. <laughs> that's that's really what i faced and like it it wasn't it wasn't the worst bullying um but it did take a toll because like like i wanted to like i wasn't i was too afraid to like post certain things on social media because i was knew i was gonna get backlash the next day yeah um, and get bullied the next day or get bullied online um and so it kind of held me back and i i just was like in this high school bubble but when i left high school i was like damn i really didn't have to like hold back anything like who cares what they said mm-hmm. um it's actually really funny. One of my best friends in this day back home, James, um, he told me this story that he was walking outside by his house and some new family had moved in. And um, he was, that, that family was talking to another neighbor on the street who actually went to, to high school with me, this kid. Yeah. What his name, well, I won't say his name, but let's just call his name is Eduardo. We'll just call okay. him Eduardo. 
And Eduardo is talking to this new family and they're saying, oh, uh, the new family is like, I heard that um, this kid, Dylan Brady, went to this high school. And Eduardo happened to be one of the kids that bullied me every single day in high school about what I did. Like in class, out loud, online, everything was part of that group that just absolutely just had nothing else better to do. Right. Nothing else better to do. And so they're like, I heard this kid Dylan Brady went there. He's like, he's doing pretty well in Nashville. And Eduardo goes, I can't believe I'm calling him Eduardo right now. Uh, <laughs> Eduardo goes, oh yeah, he was one of the best friends in high school. Like, oh, I bet I could God. give you guys tickets if he comes to Long Island. And so my buddy James, who was one of my best friends, is like, happens to be listening to the conversation. Yeah. By. And he texts me, he's like, were you friends with this kid? And I was like, no, he bullied Far me. Far from it. Yeah. And oh. so it's just so funny that, that people like, they see something that's different and they want to like squash it with their thumb. It's like, I don't know. It's very high school and very, very immature. And, and I'm, and everyone deals with it. You know, everyone gets bullied and everybody's probably bullied somebody, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it, it, I'm glad that once I left high school, I was able to see there's a much bigger, there's a much bigger world than high school. So definitely. Yes. It's yeah. It does get better after high school for sure. Um, but, but something else, like you, you, you talked about it a little bit. Um, you were actually weren't even diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome until your freshman year of high school, correct? Yeah. I had literally never heard of it. And when I talked to my buddy, Danny, it was like a, a light bulb went off mm-hmm. and I was like, damn, I've been doing that my whole life. Like I would sniff uncontrollably and blink my eyes uncontrollably. And I would say, sorry, and excuse me randomly. And I would move my back around and I would I had this one tick where I'd flex my stomach like every second of the day and it was like doing crunches all day. And like, it was the most painful thing. And that tick ended up sending me to the hospital multiple times. Like, so I, it was like this light bulb went off and when I was diagnosed, I was like, okay, I'm sure there's so many people in this world that who have this as well as I do that, that are bullied for it and that um, are uncomfortable with it. And I immediately was like, well, I want to actually change those people's lives. And so I ended up being trained as a youth ambassador for Tourette's syndrome. Um, I went to Washington, DC that year. Um, and I started speaking in schools. I started speaking at camps and it wasn't just about Tourette's. And that's why I love this podcast, what you're doing. It, it was about everything. It wasn't just about Tourette's. It was about Down syndrome. It was about autism. It was about lazy eyes. It was about everything. (laughs) It was about whatever makes you different. It's yeah. like, that's okay because everybody's different. And what I love about what you're doing is it's what I always say. And every time I go into these schools, it's usually about middle school or high school or these camps or younger kids. Find that difference, whatever you have, and find an opportunity with it. Because where our differences are, that's where the opportunity lies. So what you did is you found this thing that makes you different. You have this lazy eye and you like normal guy, lazy eye. <laughs> But what you did is you ran with it and you started this podcast to highlight other people and you made what you have quote unquote normal, but there is no normal. Mm-hmm. And so like it, I love what you're doing because it goes so hand in hand with what I say. It's like, everybody's different. I'm different from you. You're different from me. We all have something, whether it's Tourette's, a lazy eye, right. we're a little short, we're a little tall, we're a little like whatever it is, our feet yeah. smell, like whoever, whatever it is, that's my brother's feet smell. Yeah. Like whatever makes you different, find what that is and don't like let it hold you back because if i let my Tourette's hold me back i would never have been on Disney channel never met zach brown band never met rascal flats never signed a record deal 
Right. Because all those things went hand in hand. Once I got Disney, I started working with Zach Brown. And Zach Brown, I got introduced to somebody in a Rascal Flats camp. And from Rascal Flats, I started making music with him. And I started, I got signed to Columbia Records. And who knows where that's going to go. And that's not to shoot my own horn or anything, but it's like, no. find that thing. Yeah. And like, if you're like, damn, this is going to hold me back or I'm embarrassed by it. Cool. I was embarrassed by it too. But like, why would you let that thing hold you back? Well, everybody has their lanes, right? Like, if you're, if you're doing the same thing as everybody else that we talked about in high school, like back in high school, everybody's going with the crowd. There's so many people in your way, right? You're in this crowd. There's so much traffic. But like, if you find that thing that puts you right to the right of that crowd and you're in your own lane, there's nobody in front of you. And you just got to go with it and run with it and put your head down. And then like, let those people that they left to you say stuff, but who cares? Like, just keep your head down. And that's what's going to make you succeed. Like Zach Brown, man, it wasn't about his difference, but he knew there's people in the world with differences. And he started Camp Southern Ground, which is for kids with disabilities or less fortunate, or even kids who are quote, unquote, unquote, normal. And he started this camp that's changed kids' lives. Yeah. And so that's what I, I applaud you. And I am really impressed by that you have this thing that you could be like, damn, this is embarrassing. Or you're just like, I'm a normal guy with a lazy eye. And I'm going to talk to people about it and talk to people about what they have in their lives. And so that was a really long answer again. No, dude, that, that, that was like the, like, I, I mean, I can't even say it any better myself. I like you hit it right on the head. I, it's funny you say that. I don't think I've told this story on the podcast, but so I've had a, a lazy eye since I was like a little kid. Right. And like, obviously growing up, there was some like bullying for it. I mean, no one knew where I was looking, even like my teachers didn't know. So there was like some awkwardness, but as soon as like people started making jokes about it, I would like almost laugh because I thought they were funny, but then I would also be like, wait, I can make this way funnier than they are. Like, like I'm like, I can make this so much more funny. So like, and like you, you bring up a good point. Like if people are laughing at you, it makes it so much hard, so much harder to go through life like that. If you start getting people to laugh with you, it's, it's a little bit easier. And it's funny. Like I was actually supposed to get my lazy eye quote unquote fixed um, going into my junior year of college. I was supposed to have like, it's called strabismus surgery. And basically I'm not a doctor, so this might be wrong. And maybe my medical friends will message me. I'll, after I'll like, believe you. Yeah, yeah. So basically your eye muscle, right, is like, is like um, a rubber band. Yours is like tight and like it moves when you want it to move. Mine's like a shoelace yeah. in the wind. So it just kind of goes wherever. And that's why yeah. my eyes are overworked. And sometimes I'm sure you can see in the interview, like they'll just flip sometimes. It's really weird. But I was supposed to get it fixed. And I like did this whole pre-op. I did like, it was like a three hour thing. I had to get like qualified for it because it's technically like cosmetic surgery, but my insurance yeah. is going to cover it. And then, so I go back to college for, to finish out the semester. I was, was spring break for the pre-op, go back to finish the semester, come back, touch, touchdown in LA. My dad gets me in the car and he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're not getting that surgery. I was, oh, like, wow. what, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, your doctor has been AWOL for the past three months, the practice has no idea where he is and they won't tell me because of HIPAA laws. And I'm not going to disclose who the doctor was, but like he came back three months on the dot. So we had our ideas of where he was. And so we're like, I'm not doing this surgery. And I was like, this is a sign. Like, I'm just going to roll with this. It's never, it's never, yeah, it's never put me in a compromising position you know, like I have a girlfriend who loves me, who loves my lazy eye and people, you know, people enjoy it. And it, you know, it, it definitely kind of, uh, kind of makes me who I am today. So yeah, I just, your oh, answer was yes. so perfect. It was so perfect. Dude, and that's the thing. And if somebody doesn't like it and they don't need to be your friend, my right. girlfriend says that her favorite thing about me is my Tourette's. I have this one take where I go, hmm, and she goes, hmm, <laughs> right back at me. And so it's like, 
why wouldn't you run with it, dude? So, yeah. I mean, I think that's a blessing in disguise that you didn't get that, um, you didn't get that surgery because one, you wouldn't have started this podcast. You wouldn't like have the outlook on life you do. Right. We wouldn't be sitting right here. So I applaud you, dude. I think it's really, really cool. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. So let's get into some of the music stuff, right? So in the summer of 2014, you talked a little bit about it. You were invited to be a counselor at Zach Brown Band's camp, uh, Camp Southerground, a camp in Peachtree City, Georgia, for children, like you said, with special needs. Um, and then you opened for Zach Brown Band at that benefits at the end of the summer, I'm assuming, at, at the concert at the end of the summer. What was that like? Was it was it like you said you, you and your brother opened for Megan Trainer and Five Seconds of Summer, but like now you're you're on your own, you're in the country music realm that you you grew up loving. Is was this like here we go, like this is gonna get going here? Um, it's funny. The music I was making then was so bad <laughs> once again. <laughs> so um I'm glad it didn't get going there, but it was it was big because Zach became a big champion of mine. Um, and he really believed in what I was doing. And he, so when I went to Southern, went to Southern ground, I was technically a counselor, but not really. I went and I'd done this talk I do in these schools for these kids. Um, I played for the kids. Um, and I was there the whole week. Um, but it was, it was really to show these kids who have these things. It's like, as I said, like, you have this thing makes you different and like, let's run with it. And that was really why I was there. And so Zach had asked me to open for him and it was huge. I mean, like Zach Brown is one of my favorite bands ever, like growing up, like chicken fried and goodbye in her eyes and, and toes and everything. I mean, colder weather, some of my favorite songs ever. And so it was really cool for me. Like I was, a, I was a Megan Trainer fan, a five second summer fan, but like being a Zach Brown fan to, to have this guy who now believes in me, who I've been a fan of, it was really right. cool. So I opened for Zach probably, I think, three or four times. Um, wow. And it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Um, and it kind of was, it's funny, every time I explain my trajectory of how things have moved forward, I'm always like, I thought this thing was going to do it. thought this thing was going to do it. Like I, like, I thought Disney Channel was going to be this, like, this big gigantic thing where I took off and like, I thought I wasn't going to, I was going to have to, I was going to ride limos. I was going to do all these crazy <laughs> things and it didn't happen. And the, channels, the Grammys <laughs> literally, I was like, so Disney channel didn't work. Zach Brown. I thought that was gonna be the next thing. I was like, dang, Zach Brown's behind me. And you know what? It didn't catapult me, but what it did each thing, Disney channel led me to Zach Brown and Zach Brown led me to Rascal Flats and Rascal Flats has led me to a record deal. And now who knows where it's going. So mm -hmm. all of these things have moved me forward. And like, I always say like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And when people ask me advice about the music industry, I'm like, it is a marathon, not a sprint. And the yeah. one thing I learned at Belmont, my music business teacher said to me, it's a whole lot of no's before you get that one. Yes. And it might not be a straight up no where these Disney Channel and this Zach Brown thing didn't catapult me to that next thing. Right. Catapult me to where I, like to the final destination. But it was all those little things that are moving me forward. And it's like, I'm here for the, to the, for the long haul. And so it's like, I want it to happen right now. But if these, each one of these steps is moving towards where I want to go, then I'm going to move towards where I want to go. And I'm going to keep running with it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was really cool. I thought it was going to be like the catapult of all catapults and it wasn't, but it, met, it got me to the next thing and then to the next thing and who knows where that's going. We're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at IPS Surf and Water Sports. This new partnership I'm so stoked about, IPS Surf 
is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He's dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston. And to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right. So the normal guy package, you're going to get 20% off a two hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. And this is more for the people that are really have an appetite to learn. The normal guy package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the lazy eye package. This is gonna be your squad package. This is gonna give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, 10 of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The lazy eye session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're gonna be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is gonna look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays, it's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS Surf has to offer, let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat, and it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this like, it's just this like, you're you're surfing, like I'm a SoCal kid, you're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. Yeah, so let's talk about that next thing, right? You said you grew up idolizing uh, Rascal Flats. You you signed this you know artist development deal with J.D. Rooney. What was it like working with the guy behind this band that you've been idolizing as a kid? Bro, I'm telling you, the first night I met Jodon um, was in May of 20, I think it was like May 5th, 2017 or 18. It might have been 17. Um, I suck with years for some reason. <laughs> and so You're good. I'm not going to fact check you or anything. 
okay, we're 17. You know why? Because I just moved out of my Belmont dorm. And Zach Brown had asked me to play this show that he couldn't play. It was a private event for Goldman Sachs, who was, um, who was doing some work with, with Camp Southern Ground. And so um, I met this woman there named Didi Agar, who has absolutely changed my life. She's become like my second mom at this point. She is head of, I believe it's called, I believe it's client relations at, at Goldman Sachs. So she's the, she connects people. And so I met Didi there. I played this little acoustic set for um, some people who work for Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. And that night she was like, do you know who Rascal Flatts is? And I'm like, do I know who Rascal Flatts is? Yeah. You mean my favorite band since I was two years old, who I know yeah. every single word to every single one of their songs. <laughs> and she's like, yes, that band. Um, she's like, do you want to go to dinner tomorrow night with Joda on their guitarist? And I was like, do I want to go to dinner tomorrow night with Joda on their guitarist? Um, and so I ended up going to dinner with them. It was another little event for Goldman. Joda was a guest speaker. And before I went, my mom was like, Dylan, put your guitar in the car just in case. I wasn't supposed to play that night. And I was like, mom, oh. and my mom was picking me up from Belmont. So she was in yeah. town. And I was like, mom, I don't need my guitar. And she's like, Dylan, just do it. I'm like, mom, you're just being a mom. And I'm like, she's like, just do it. And I was like, fine. So I get to the dinner. The only person I know there is Dee Dee. And she's talking to Jodam. And so I go up to her and him and we start talking. And I immediately just tell him like, hey, I just need to tell you that you are literally the reason I play music I'm I, the reason I love country music is because of you mm. and he's like dude that's so nice and so we're sitting at dinner and Dee, Dee comes over to me she whispers in my ear she goes do you have a guitar and I'm like well yes I actually do because of my mom yes and she's like I want you to play before Joe Don does and I was like oh. and they can't see me but on this zoom call my jaws dropped to the floor because that was me that night I was like huh yeah how am I gonna do that um <laughs> So I end up um, playing a few songs. Jodan starts filming me. I'm like dying inside. And I walk off this little stage and he's like, hey, can I borrow your guitar? And I'm like, sure. And as I hand him my guitar, he's like, you know what? You want to come up and sing Life is a Highway with me? And I was Shut like, up. I was like, do I want to sing Life is a Highway? <laughs> it was more like speechless. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so... I remember he starts playing. He's like, do you want the verse? And I was like, thinking to myself, I was like, I'm so nervous. I don't remember what the verse right. is. Right. You immediately forget all the words to all the songs. Dude, I was like, I was like, I'll take chorus. And I still somehow with Life is a Highway, which is like five words, messed up the words of the chorus because I'm freaking out. Right. So long story short, after the dinner, he, um, he asked me, he's like, hey, dude, what's your number? Let's work together. And I like didn't think anything of it because he's in Rascal Flats. I'm like, right. this guy's just nice. He's like, never going to text me, never going to work with me. Yeah. Two days later, he starts texting me. He's like, do you have management? Do you have a label? Do you have anything you're working on? I had this one song, horrible song. There's a trend of bad songs until like this past year. That I you think keep are bad saying songs. that. Yeah, you that. keep saying that. Whatever. It's self-deprecation. <laughs> um, but um, I sent him this one song I was working on that was, I was going to put out as a single. And he's like, dude, this is great. Can I finish it with you? So I ended up flying back to Nashville because I was in Long Island that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished the production together. Um, and right when I was like supposed to get a contract from him about his percentage, I got a artist development deal contract in my email and he signed me to an artist development deal. Um, we started working on music together. Um, and we got label interest. Um, and I ended up signing with records out of New York and we did a JV with Columbia records. Um, and now things are moving. So it was, I mean, with Joe Don, he and I are really good friends now. And he, he actually owe him a call this week, but 
<laughs> we're really, really good friends now. Like I go to his kids' plays, their soccer games, and it's like so cool. And I even like went on the road with him and I wrote with Flats, wrote with Gary, wrote with him. Um, and like for me, like the fact that somebody like that can take their time and be like and and bring me along and like grab my hand and bring me along. Yeah. Somebody who I've looked up to, like he doesn't have to do that. You know, like he doesn't have to take time out of his day and time out of his busy schedule to help make music with me and introduce me to people and, and just straight up believe in me. Mm -hmm. He does. And it's, and I'm so grateful for somebody like that because it's opened so many doors and it's really, it's really, I don't know. It's, it's really changed my life. He's like, as everyone says, like, you need to find a champion or like they, like they find a champion and Jodan's really been my champion. And I, I can't say enough good things about that guy. He's, he's really incredible. And, and it's so cool. Like people like don't meet your heroes and like when you do and they exceed your expectations, it's just, you know, it's just a cool feeling. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. I want to jump to um, June of 2019. So you performed at the CMA music festival, um, sharing the stage with the likes of Keith Urban, Lil Nas X and like so many others. What was it like being on the stage with such like titans of the industry at the time or, you know, still now I say like at the time it's, there's still huge names, obviously. What was that like? Well, it's funny. I, so I performed um, way earlier that day on, on a different stage than the Nissan, obviously not Nissan stadium. Um, but that night I was backstage with Jodan and flats. We're on stage and, and I'm like growing up, I was like a big fan of people and like, I'll get really excited. But as I've like lived in Asheville, I'm like not as excitable as a fan, but mm-hmm. there's like three people in the world that I'll probably get like fangirl over. And so we're backstage at Nissan stadium. I'm looking out at, how many 70,000 people whatever it is yeah and all of a sudden my manager Alex goes Dylan that's Thomas Rhett and I go oh god that's Thomas Rhett <laughs> so right before Jodan goes on stage right before Jodan goes on stage um Jodan walks me over he's like hey Thomas this is my buddy Dylan Brady and I want to introduce you to him he goes oh I know who you are no and I go way. Dude, <laughs> Tom is like my favorite and I was like you know who I am and he goes, yeah, bro. So we talked for like 20 minutes. He's like, dude, you want to write sometime? And I'm like, dude, do I want to write sometime? <laughs> so um, I don't know. It was really cool. And that's just so eye-opening. And in th- that moment, seeing the, that many people and meeting him and seeing everybody up there, I'm just like, damn, dude. Like, this is really motive. Like, it's really like, I always say, like, I try to work the hardest in the room because I'm not the most naturally gifted. Like, my brother, like, pick up an instrument and play it. I'm not like that. Like, right. I need to work so hard to get to where I'm going and like seeing that and being around those people I'm like once me to like makes me want to work even harder um and so like to what it felt like it just felt like damn I really really want this and I want to work even harder like I'm the type of guy who like will work till four o'clock in the morning and then get up and start working again the next day Mm. and just go 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 because I know that's what it takes and I'm like how do I work harder than that because this is where I want to be um so that's what it felt like I don't know yeah, but I, I do have to ask a follow-up question to that. So you put out a video of you going up to fans at the festival asking they have, if they have, had ever heard of Dylan Brady. Now, you just had Thomas Rhett tell you that he's heard of you, but then you go up to these fans at the festival, and you're like, have you ever heard of Dylan Brady? And what was, what was their reaction? Most of them were like, no. And I had this song coming out, and I would show them this song. Well, I'd be like, do you guys know who Dylan Brady is? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, can I show you one of his songs? 
and I'd show them a song and be like, oh, this is a bop. And they're like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, come to my show today. <laughs> um, so the plan with that was to next CMA Fest, as things start taking off, to do the same exact thing, to see more people be like, I know who that is. Or like, yeah. as time goes on, to see the difference in, in how things roll out. Um, but there are a few awkward ones. I'd be like, because they don't know. Who. I'm like, hey, can I talk to you? And they're like, no, you can't talk to me. And they kept walking. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, I, that was a very funny video. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was good. But so let's get into your, your TikTok game for a second. Because yeah. uh, you have close to 800,000 followers last time I checked with like over 6 million likes. Did you expect to get this kind of like TikTok clout? I mean, I wouldn't say you're the next well, Charlie D'Amelio, but you're getting up there. I, I would not say I'm the next Charlie D'Amelio. One, because I literally cannot dance for my life. <laughs> um, I actually had to take dance lessons years ago for something. And it was like mm. Beyonce's choreographer for like six months. And I still can't dance. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's so bad. I'm so awkward. Um, but I like, tried two or three. And I was like, damn, like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I can't really tell. Like, I didn't want to do like cringy content. Like, I couldn't tell yeah. like what the right content was. And I think it was the first or third TikTok I posted, like, got, like, 400,000 views, and I was, like, oh, like, I kind of like this, but still, I was, like, ah, I didn't take it seriously for a little while, and then one day, my manager was, like, Dylan, you need to just use TikTok, like, just do two a day, it's not going to take you that long, and I was, like, fine, so right. I started doing two a day, and then three a day, and one video, like, a few have taken off, but one video of me getting my hair cut, we do this yes. thing we call the Alexa challenge where my buddy, my buddy, Alex, my manager, or, like, my girlfriend will throw me a guitar, and, like, Dylan, sing this on the spot, I'm getting my hair cut and <laughs> I get thrown this guitar and, and Alex, my manager goes, Dylan, sing someone you love. And I start singing someone you love. And the, my barber, Quint, who's my buddy, starts freaking out. Yeah. And I think we're at like 17 million views on this one video oh where I remember posting that day. I was like, should I even post this? And I was like, just throw it up. Who knows? And I remember like, I'm like, holy crap, this is really skyrocketed. Um, and so it's, it's funny, TikTok's like kind of ever changing with things. And so it's like, I'm like right now, like, how do I find more content that's centered around singing that makes me different, that'll keep climbing up and keep gaining the followers? Because now with new music coming out, this is a whole new demographic I've never had. Right. Um, like I've had, I have a little bit of, of a little following on Instagram, um, but like nowhere near this TikTok. And that it grew in five months to like almost 800,000. I'm like, wow, this is a new demographic that I really want to tap into that I want them to know I'm really grateful that they're there. Um, and I want them to know that new music's coming out because that's the name of the game. And it's like, right. So it's, it's so funny because in the beginning I was like, I don't really want to do this. Like, I was just like, I just want to write songs. Like, that's what I love doing. I'm like, I don't want to like mess up in front of my camera a hundred times to just settle on one of these and see what happens. But right. it's, it's become this whole new, I guess, just, just, just whole new like platform that, has really grown and I'm really grateful for it. I really, and I take it very seriously now. And the fact that it might not be here next week is a little disappointing, but yeah, I'm crossing my fingers that it will be. Um, well, don't worry. You have Instagram reels to save you. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So I had no idea where TikTok was going and, and I'm, I'm pleased with it. So yeah, definitely. That's that. Yeah. Whose idea was the kind of the Hey Dylan videos and where you just get thrown an instrument and then asked to sing a song? And then follow up to that is how do you know every word to every song? Oh, well, the idea behind it is I was, I was at my house one day and Alex and I were just like, how do we find, because Alex is my manager for like seven years now and we're like brothers. So we bicker like brothers, but like we work together so well. 
Right. And so he was like, he's like, we need to find something. And I'm like, I was like, I just keep like, I feel like the covers in front of the camera just aren't working. And he's like, well, let me just surprise you. And so I was like, okay. And one of our other friends, Savannah was there. who has got a little bit of following. She's like, what if you just like, you like, um, you try and make a compilation with it. So we did like three videos at a time. I was like, this is not working. It's not, it's too, not short enough videos. I was like, why don't we just try one at a time? Like just try and scare me, throw a guitar at me or something. And so we did a few and like it started working a little bit. And so I don't know. I was just like, okay, this is the only thing that's working. I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, and then like I started doing this thing where I write songs on the spot. Right. Um, and that started working. And so that kind of formed the brand. And to answer your question, how do I remember every word? I don't really know. I, I've, Alex and Brigitte, my girlfriend, kind of know the songs that I know or like right. at least have like an okay enough ear where I can be like, okay, that's probably a G chord, C chord, E. Like I'll, I'll know probably going into them. Like once they throw them, I'm like, okay, this is probably what it is. I'll just <laughs> wing it. And then yeah. I like, and if it sounds good, we're like, okay, we'll throw it up. Um, so I don't really know, but I write so many songs. I'm not up with all my covers. So I feel like I'm doing so many old songs. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's kind of how it came up. Yeah, no, it's definitely so. working for sure. <laughs> we'll definitely say that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I have a, a, another question for you. If you weren't a musician, what would you be doing today? I, it's funny. My mom says so i'm like i love kids like i just like my buddy andy who does all my production is three-year-old and a four-year-old actually jet just turned five um and they call me uncle dylan now like i just like i don't know i've always been that way my sister's the same way and so my mom's always like you should have been a teacher if you didn't do music and be, but the thing is i'm like i'm not great at school so i don't know if i would have been a teacher but she <laughs> thinks i would have my mom's always always said i would have been a teacher um my other love is soccer I grew up playing soccer. I, in my freshman year of high school, flew to Spain with my team. We played a big tournament there, um, res- representing America in Spain. Wow. And so like, until I actually collapsed my lung my senior year of high school. And that was the other thing I was kind of pursuing with soccer. Um, so something along those lines, maybe a coach, I don't really know. I also, I don't know. I have a bad back and I'm like, kind of like, was like, maybe I would have been a chiropractor to fix my own back. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those three things, but music is really the one thing I always say, like, is my first love. And I make this joke where I'm like, it's the only thing I'm good at. It's like, I just like, I devote all my time to it. I just love it so much. And like, I have to work really hard, but I just am in love. I'm just so in love with it. Like I always have been like, I remember we go on car trips and people would talk in the car. Like my family really were talkers. And like, mm-hmm. I remember if somebody talked in the middle of a song, I'd like, I'd be like, restart the song. Because like I wanted to hear it from the beginning, and I just loved uh, it so much. Yeah. I always had. I've always sang. My mom said I was trying to sing before I could talk, which I don't know how that makes any sense. But I was apparently trying to sing. Just before go I could with talk. it. Mom's trying to be um, cute. Just go with it. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know, dude. It's just always been this thing I've been in love with. And so I always think about that. I'm like, if I like didn't do music, like I would have had to got. I would have had to gotten through four years of college and yeah. like i'm like damn i would not have liked that but i would have <laughs> yeah so right. i guess it's just the future or something yeah all right you ready for some rapid fire questions i saw a video yeah. that you've done this in the past I, I i'll say you're a pretty seasoned vet by this by now i'm ready all right we'll start off with a softball um what's the name of your next single <laughs> <laughs> that was good um it um 
let's see. How do I answer this question for you at rapid fire? This is not rapid fire. It starts with a D. Okay, great. That works. I didn't know how you were going to take that one and you took it like a champ. So thank you. That was good, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll just swing that one in there for your fans. So, all right. So what was the first song you ever sang? You said you were trying to sing before you could talk. What was the first song you remember ever singing? Um, God bless America, because I got a, I was, this is not a rapid fire, but one day I'll tell it short. I was in a wagon. My brother and I were in a wagon and our family friends were like 10 years older than us running us around my yard in this wagon, like full speed. And we had a dumpster in our driveway. And all of a sudden they like turned by the dumpster, the wiggle, the, the wagon like kind of falls over a little bit. And I mm-hmm. bang my head on this dumpster, like oh. straight on my forehead, had a giant egg on my head. I'm like three yeah. years old. My dad runs me inside to turn the TV on because like, he doesn't want me to fall sleeping. Like, if I have a concussion, could go to coma, right. who knows? So he turned on the TV and there's this Italian man singing God Bless America. And I'm screaming, like screaming, like bloody murder from this, this egg on my head. And the second I hear this man singing God Bless America, I shut up and I stand up and I start singing God Bless America with my hand on my chest. I love that. <laughs> so, I mean, I used to like have a little xylophone and I would walk into like family gatherings with my xylophone and I'd be like, mm-hmm. everybody. And like, they would all shut up and I would sing God Bless America on the xylophone. I um, love it. I love so it. So that was probably the first song. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right. Who's the musician that you'd want to collaborate with next? Oh, man, bro. That's a good question. Um, can I give you three? Sure. Bieber. Yep. I knew that was coming. Sam Hunt. Okay. And Lauv. All in one song or three separate occasions? Because that would be a good three song. Separate occasions. That would be a cool <laughs> song. Three separate occasions. Okay. Um, describe your first performance in one word. Chipmunk, because it sounded like one. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's your biggest musical inspiration? Rascal Flatts. Yeah. What was, what's more stressful? Okay, this one, I was excited to ask you this one. What's more stressful, recording the song or the music video? music video because i can't dance and i'm so awkward i knew that was coming too after you answered that last but also recording the song because i overthink my vocals all the time but definitely yeah. the video yeah i, I like look back i look back i'm like damn i'm so skinny i'm so awkward yeah definitely no I'm, I'm the same way like if i ever see myself on video like now that i'm doing this podcast i'm like putting my like my own videos out on like my insta story i'm like oh god my voice sounds raspy or whatever and i'm like oh i'm being like biggest critic right now um so what's the best city you've ever performed in? Nashville. I love Nashville. Safe answer. Safe answer. <laughs> okay. um, uh, who would you want to go on tour with next? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Dan and Shay. Oh, that, the new song, I should, I should probably go to bed, is so good. Yes. <laughs> He, the so way good. he hits that note, it kills me, man. Every time. Oh, bro. Every time. I was in my car just trying to figure out that run for like 10 minutes. I was just like, this is so dope. When that, when the, like the last chorus comes on and he just goes for it. The first time I heard it, I was like, I was in my car. I like took a, like, I like breaked. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I just don't know how he does it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Um, dream venue to perform at. Madison Square Garden. Okay. Um, and maybe the best venue you've performed at now. Mm, best venue. Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? It wasn't the venue. It was the moment when um, Joe Don invited me up to sing with him. Yeah. That video of you guys singing life is a highway is pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. It's just, it was, it was at this little place called Acme feed and seed in Nashville. And that, it wasn't the venue it was the moment. Mm-hmm, definitely. 
All right. If you didn't live in Nashville, where would you be living right now? Probably down here in Florida. Okay. No LA? I like LA, but. Well, you do have a song saying about how you hate California. Yes, exactly. I do love LA, but I, I have, I'm in love with the speed of this. You know, it's like I'm near the city in Nashville. I'm in the city, but I also like feel like I'm in the country a little bit. And then down here in Florida, like, it's just so nice. So I guess maybe that. It's so funny you say that because like I said in the, uh, in the beginning, I grew up in Southern California and like where I grew up, like LA, I guess you're saying LA is pretty fast paced. And I would, I would agree with that, but I mean, not on the, not on the freeways, but um, <laughs> like where I grew up, like everything was so slow. Like you just, you got to things when you got to things, like you just, you walked at your own pace. And then when yeah. I came out to the New England, I think it's the weather, but like everyone is in such a hurry. And like, oh, I would be walking to class and I would just be taking my time and people would be like, like brushing by me and like, dude, where, like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, but I just, so, and now. It's so fast paced. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Also, I'm noticing that my head looks like a floating head right now because I'm in a dark room. Yeah, I love it. Not <laughs> right now. No, you're good. You're good. All right. Um, so, okay, here's another one because you're wearing it right now. So it's a perfect question. Where did the obsession of Bass Pro Shop hats come from? Oh, dude. I honestly, my obsession. That's better. Yeah. Um, my obs- It was less of a, the. I'm not gonna say this. I love the brand. But like, I had never stepped in a Bass Pro Shop and been like, this is where I belong yeah. because I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. on these hats and they fit my head right. And I'm like, this is kind of like Beaver, but kind of country. Um, and I actually, for Valentine's Day, my girlfriend and I went to Memphis. Um, mm. Just for on a whim, it's near Nashville. We went to Memphis. They have the Bass Pro Shop pyramid there, we found out. And I was just like, all these hats are mine. And so I have like 10 of them at my house. And I don't know, I just like the way they fit. I was never a hat guy because I always loved my hair, but then I found these hats. I'm like, dude, you're a hat guy for sure. Dude, I'm the same exact way. I'm like, I'm a big, like, I, I'm like you. I like very careful with how I do my hair. But the second I don't like my hair, one of these are, is coming on. So, dude, and like my hair is so thick. Like I'll have so many yes. hair days. Like, yes. Yes. Oh my God. You, someone gets me. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. Here's another one. How old were you when you got your first piercing or tattoo? Oh, that's a good question. Right before my senior year of high school, I got my ears pierced. Um, I always wanted them. I don't know why. I always thought they were cool. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, my brother, and I got this triangle one at the same time, the three of us, because I'm the youngest by seven minutes. My bottom one's filled in. My brother has yep. the middle one filled in. My sister has the other one, the top one filled in. I like and that. And then this was, so I was 17 for that one. And then my other one, um, my 516, 615, I was, that was probably two years ago. Because my Long Island area code is 516 and the Nashville is 615. Oh, like, that works out perfectly. So, I love that. Yeah. Uh, what, what were your parents' reactions to the first one? So let's go with what were, your, what were your parents' reactions to the piercings? My parents are the most, like, accepting people in the world and the most supportive parents in the world. Like, they just, they're, I mean, my dad loves that I play music because he plays music. My mom's the biggest fan. And so with the piercing, my mom was like, sure. And my dad was, my dad is like the most accepting man in the world. Like the most gentle, kind, calm, smart dude. Mm-hmm. And at first he was like, does Dylan really want a piercing? And then my brother one day goes, dad is Dylan's body. He can do what he wants. He's like, you know what? You're oh, right. Oh, you had the brother backing you up. That's and I thought like my dad was against it, but he just like, was like, yeah. does he really want that? Like, is he going to regret that? And yeah. like, like he can do what he wants. And like, he was like, you know what? You're right. So yeah. no one really was ever against it. And then the tattoos, 
I think it was a good that I got it with my sister at first, but they were cool with it. Like my mom and my sister actually just got one um, together too. It's like a song my mom used to sing to her when she was little. Um, and so it's, we're not heavy tatted, but like we got a right. few. Yeah. No, I, I got my first tattoo when I was a sophomore in college and I got it here on my ribs. Um, the problem is when you're a swimmer in college, you can't really hide anything. Um, yeah. so like, we were like, oh, like we won't tell my mom. My mom was like the biggest one that wasn't going to be a fan of it. Like either way, it's my, like you said, it's my body. I can do what I want. And I paid for it. So, but like, yeah. um, yeah. it was so funny the day that we revealed it to her, she like was trying to pick it off. Like it was like a Sharpie or something like ready to, oh, no way. <laughs> I was like, no, it's real. And I'm going to totally out my brother here, but I think, so he got his tattoo senior year of college right after he finished swimming. And I don't think my mom still knows. So by the time this no podcast way. comes out, she might know. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. All right. A couple more here. Who are, who's on the Mount Rushmore of artists for you? We'll keep it in our generation. The Mount Rushmore of artists. Um, probably just my biggest influence. Yeah. Um, Flat, um, Sam Hunt, and and Biebs and then everyone makes fun of me for this but Dixie Chicks because I love listening to them with my mom no Dixie Chicks are an all-timer you can't like you can't knock that at all for sure (laughs) all right and then so you've 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 hinted at it before you said the the next single is going to come out that starts with a d um that's all you're going to give me that's fine uh but what's the biggest goal for 2021 um depending on timing um to have a number one at country radio um i think that's a big plan um and you know the world's in a crazy place right now it's in like a really like unpredictable place so that is a goal but like depending on the world that kind of changes how everybody's world works you know and like how it spins um so i mean it's to make more music and like connect with more fans on socials because it's obviously not in person um be a good person like I really just like I live by just like just be a good person and so I love that I want to keep I want to keep like um motivating people to like run with their differences I know this is sounds super cheesy but it's just true like I just want people to run with their differences and keep like highlighting that and I don't know write the best song I've ever written that's awesome be a good boyfriend. I don't know that's awesome no those are great goals and I definitely could see you accomplishing those goals Dylan. Um, Dylan, this has been an absolute blast. Um, I think we really hit it off. I think we're like, I think we're like, we have so many, so much in common. That I was like kind of surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have one last question for you. I ask it for all my guests. Um, if you were to write your autobiography today, yeah. what would be the title of it and why? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Um, different because if i didn't find my difference i wouldn't be making a difference and i wouldn't be where i am and so like i want to get a tattoo that says different because it's like everybody is and i know it sounds so cheesy i sound like a broken record but it's so true and once you accept that and you are like damn like i have this thing and this makes me me like you like there's nothing that can stop you and so it's like I want my music to be different I want to be different I want people to be different like and I don't know yeah so I think it'd be different 
dude, that is awesome. And you hit it right on the head just with the theme of today's episode. And this has been an absolute blast. You, you absolutely killed this. I'm super excited to share this story with the rest of the world. And I really appreciate it, man. This has been a lot of fun. Of course, dude. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. All right. I'll let you jump to your live and uh, Dylan, we will definitely keep in touch. All right, buddy. Yes, sir. Thanks, pal. So huge thanks to my new friend from this, Dylan Brady, for coming on this week's show. Um, it was so great to chat with him and, and continuing to stay connected with him. I, I had an absolute blast with this interview and I learned a lot. I think a lot can be taken from this episode in, in really finding what it is that makes you different and, and not letting that um, discourage you from being different and being uh, setting yourself apart from the in crowd. I think long, long gone are the days that we want to fit in. I think a lot more people are finding that it's cooler to stand out. So Thank you so much, Dylan. Be sure to follow him on Instagram, TikTok. This kid's everywhere. I'll link all things Dylan Brady down below. And be sure to check him out on Spotify. The kid's got a lot of new music coming out, and I can't wait to to see the kid get a Grammy one day. But that does it for this week's episode. As always, feel free to follow us on Instagram at NormalGuyLazyEye for some bonus content, episode highlights, and more. Uh, we're, we're growing that following little by little, and I appreciate all the followers there. I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, be sure to uh, follow us along so you don't miss an episode. Hit that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know that's enough for the shameless plugs. Uh, I will see you all next Wednesday.